third down and 20. Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of the Third and 20 Dynasty Podcast. We're on episode 24, and I hate to say it, but we're in the middle of no man's land. The Super Bowl is gone. <laughs> uh, you know, we're far away from the draft. We're far away from, you know, the season starting, but we do still have a bunch of stuff to talk to you guys about. Uh, and you know what? Rather than asking how everyone's doing, we're just going to jump right into it because we have the rumor mill starting. Uh, you know, Carson Wentz, could he be ending up on the Bears? Deshaun Watson, is he going to the Panthers? No one knows exactly what's going to happen yet, but I want to get the breakdown from everyone. So let's start off with Carson Wentz. Um, Lunis, you're a Carson Wentz fan. What do you think about him potentially going to the Bears? What kind of compensation are you looking for uh, for the Eagles to get? Do you think... You know, Carson Wentz could potentially help the Bears. Do you think whatever the Eagles get will help them? What are your thoughts? Um, so, I definitely think... Well, first off the start, I think the Colts are like the more ideally landing spot if you are a Wentz owner. But as for Chicago, it, it, it depends. Because he's going to run into a lot of the same problems that he had in Philadelphia with... If Allen Robinson is not there anymore, the receiving targets he has, Mooney... Uh, Cole Komet. Eh. I do think Mooney's really good, though. Um, I think Cole Komet's value does go up because of how much Wentz uh, favors tight ends. But um, I definitely think, though, it'll still be better than his last season in Philadelphia because I think their O-line next year will be better than the Eagles' injured O-line last season. I think um, I think um, in terms of compensation, I think the Eagles are holding out for the first-round pick. I think that's what they're ultimately trying to do because... I think they think that they kind of have the leverage in this situation with the Colts and the Bears because the Colts don't. I know Jake's kind of doubtful. What's the Colts' backup plan if Wentz doesn't work? Brissett? Uh, sh- sure. I mean, the thing here is, people. The Eagles want. We we've seen this this thrown out there, but the Eagles want a you know a Stafford esque package. They're not going to Carson get it. Wentz. When, in reality, he's the goth. He's the guy that they have to attach picks to to get rid of because of this contract on, on his end. And, and I don't think the Eagles realize that. Uh, I, don't think, I don't think GMs fully view it like that because we know already that on the table there's two seconds. That's been confirmed to be on the table from the Colts uh, for Wentz. I also, by the way, I do think Ertz is ultimately going to be attached if he does get traded to the Colts. I just think they're holding out because I think their mentality is neither of these teams really are a high enough draft pick to be able to take one of those top QBs besides praying that Mac Jones gets to them. And the the free agent QB market, unless you can really get Prescott or Watson, which I don't think either of those teams are really in the running for either one of those two, the Texans aren't giving Watson to the Colts. What's, what's the backup plan? I guess you can maybe say Sam Darnold, but... Darnold, I think the Colts they, could be in the running for for Dak if he enters free agency. I mean, they got like eighty million in cap room. Why wouldn't they be in the running for him? Well, no, I think if he did hit the free agent market, they would be. I just, I, uh, I think the report came out that Dallas is going to franchise tag him this year. So do you want do you want to wait one yeah, season? Yeah, I, I you... think he's going to stay on Dallas. Like, yeah, I, do we really think that Dak is leaving Dallas? I Maybe. think it's I don't possible. Think it's not, yeah. not this offseason. I think next offseason is where he might. And go ahead, JT. It's definitely not a 0% chance that Dak um, doesn't leave Dallas. 
Uh, my question, though, you know, kind of pivoting back to the to the once talk, is I saw reports maybe yesterday about there's potential that the Bears could franchise tag Allen Robinson and send him off in a deal. Um, do you think that is a possibility with the Eagles? Uh, maybe you know they get Allen Robinson and a little bit of all their compensation, and then. You know, instead of drafting the Jamar Chase or Devontae Smith at three, they might go tackle at three, and they just kind of just automatically really shore up their offense. That's true. I would I would give it a higher chance if the Eagles weren't in cap hell right now, because that franchise yeah, you'd tag you'd have to give them twenty mil or something like that, right? That franchise tag would be around I think fifteen or sixteen mil for Allen okay. Robinson, uh, and I don't think the Eagles are already well over the cap, and they're eating more dead cap with Wentz. Um, That's so true. I don't know. That's I don't know if that'd point. be, I think everything's just, like, I think they know they need to do, I won't, I don't know if it's a full, full rebuild, if not a rebuild, then a retool. But, uh, I think they're just trying to get picks badly. All right. So to sum up once, and then we'll move on to Watson, uh, all four of you, give me, give me, including myself. Um, where do you think Wentz ends up? We'll start with Lunas. My my prediction on Wentz is he goes to the Bears for that twenty first pick. Jake, uh, I'm gonna say Colts. Uh, I think they can. They're gonna, you know, top that offer by slightly a little bit, um, just because, like you said, they don't really have any options. Frank, man, I, I'm really torn because I think it makes more sense for the Colts, but I'm gonna I'm gonna say Bears just because. Pace and Nagy are they're fighting for their job and I think that they're going to want to do it with a quarterback that's another good point they're in desperation mode if they don't make it work this year they could both be fired yeah I guess my question to you guys yeah my question to you guys is uh, which is the better fantasy option for Wentz to end up is it the Bears or is it the Colts for Wentz's sake it's the Colts because then he'll have an extremely good O-line, which I think he needs to kind of get back to his old form. Yeah, I, I just don't think I could, like, unless you can guarantee me Allen Robinson is staying, which I don't even think, like, I think it's more likely than not that he's leaving. I, I think you got to agree it's the Colts. They've just got a way better offense in general. Um, as far as teams are concerned, like, I think the Colts might be better off just trying someone else than Carson Wentz. Um, for the Bears, I don't really know who else they could go out and get either. Like, What I'm trying to say is I think the Bears would be better off if Carson Wentz was their starter over you know Trubisky and, and Foles or whatnot. Um, and I don't really see them going out and getting anyone else with the Colts. I, I think they... I know we said they don't have any other options, but I really do think they can actually get someone that would end up being better than Wentz on the team. Whether that's, you know, a Sam Darnold type or they somehow trade up and get someone, a rookie quarterback. I, I don't think Easton's the answer. Um, who knows? Maybe they like Jimmy G. I kind of just, I don't think Wentz is who I want on the Colts. All right. Um, that sums up Carson Wentz. The only other guy that we've got the rumors on that we're going to talk about. Um, Deshaun Watson, he's been wanting to leave the Texans for a while now. We've kind of covered it a little bit already. 
Uh, there was rumors out. It, it was a shaky report, but it was something interesting. Um, the Panthers would potentially give up their first along with Christian McCaffrey to get Deshaun Watson. I don't think that's actually, you know, what's happening, but it was, it's something that, you know, kind of tickled everyone's fancy brain and dynasty brain or whatnot. Like Deshaun Watson on the, the, the Panthers would be amazing. Um, where do you guys think Deshaun Watson's going to end up? Do you even think he leaves the Texans? They're very committed to saying like, he's staying here. Um, so for this one, I think we'll start with Frank. Uh, like, like in the mock draft that me and Steed released on the third and 20 podcast, I still think that the jets makes the most sense for, for Deshaun Watson for a couple of reasons. Obviously they have that plethora of draft capital at their disposal to, to beat out all the other teams. But at the same time, they have player, a player named Sam Darnold that I think that you can get at minimum, a late second round pick to refill it, let's say you have to give up both of your first round picks and a second round and future picks. You can then trade away Sam Darnold for a second and then refill to actually have a draft class. Um, you, you get the New York on your side. If you do that, you finally give that team some life that they haven't had since Rex Ryan. So I, I think that the Jets are still a team that really makes a lot of sense for Deshaun Watson. Jake, what do you think about that? I mean, I agree with what Frank's saying. Like, the Jets just have so much, you know, draft capital thanks to that Jamal Adams trade last offseason. Um, they have a they have a Darnold, which I think they could even potentially send back uh, to Houston. So Houston's not, you know, without a quarterback here. Um, I, I just think there's a lot of ways the Jets could play this. Uh, another option. I mean, I would like to see this Panthers thing happen just because, like you said, it just tickles everyone's dynasty fancy here in terms of, you know, DJ Moore gets a, a quarterback, you know, Robbie Anderson gets a quarterback. You know, it, obviously it, in this report, it had Christian McCaffrey going back to uh, Houston, which two off seasons in a row, the Texans trading their best player for a running back. I don't know how it worked the first time. <laughs> it, it would be such a Houston move. It doesn't even fit their timeline at all. They're going to be rebuilding during McCaffrey's prime. That would be great for Watson, too. Yeah, Watson I, I, going to, to Carolina would be probably the best spot out of all the places rumored so far. I mean, I think Miami might be the best spot um, in terms of just players and, and coaching staff around them. I really like the Dolphins there, uh, you know, with the high pick that they have from the Texans that they could send back to them. They have their own pick at 18 that they could use on a wide receiver, maybe potentially – uh, you know, Jalen Waddle type of receiver if he falls that far. Uh, I just think the Dolphins are a great spot as well. But overall, I love these type of rumors. Obviously, I don't think this is what's going to happen. It's just rumor mill central, as JT said. It's the middle of nowhere. We're in no man's land. And all the NFL reporters are just throwing things out there to get some clicks. But, hey, I love it. I love the thought of it. Now, all right, we're, we could go in a couple directions. So first, I think I'll just ask Lunas real quick. You're a Deshaun Watson and CMC owner in our league. Yes. Um, you know, what What do you think that trade would have? Like, what kind of impact would that have on your fantasy team? Um, so I think it helps Watson a ton. Uh, I love Matt Rule and his coaching staff. Uh, he'd be back with elite receivers. DJ Moore is an elite receiver. Um, I don't know. I, I don't think they're bringing back Curtis Samuel. They might. Uh, but then Robbie Anderson is another really good receiver. 
Uh, so I think it helps Watson a lot. I think even though Miami is a very good landing spot, I think I lean Carolina more as being a slightly better one because of the weapons they have. Uh, as for McCaffrey, my initial thought was, oh, no. Now it's just kind of slightly, no. I think it wouldn't be as good. But at the same time, I think they would just kind of force feed him a ridiculous amount. Like, I think he would get close to 25, 30 touches. Just because, uh, like, if, especially if they lose Will Fuller in free agency, which I don't know if Will Fuller would want to re-sign if Deshaun Watson's not there. Um, who do they have? Randall Cobb, a washed-up David Johnson. Brandon Cooks. Brand- oh, I forgot. Brandon Cooks is still there. So he he'd be, like, the main receiving target. I forgot about him, but I, I think it would hurt McCaffrey, but not like like full full panic. But I definitely think it helps Watson a lot. Now, let me run a scenario by you guys that I feel like you know is not really getting talked about a whole lot. So, the Texans GM is, or I don't even know what his technical position is, but Nick Casario came from the Patriots to the Texans, right? And he was the director of player personnel for the Patriots. One of the people, like one of the players that the Patriots drafted a few years ago, was Jimmy Garoppolo. Do you think there's any possibility that the San Fran trades Jimmy G plus their first plus something else, and, and ends up getting Deshaun from the Texans? Because I I like that, and I I don't own anyone, but I just I think Deshaun Watson on the 49ers with Shanahan would be a great combo. Uh, do you guys think there's any potential that happens? I, I think I, I, there's a small potential. I, I've I've seen that they're they're linked to him. Um, obviously, not as much as you know the Jets or the Dolphins or any of these other guys teams that we've talked about. But I, I've seen I've seen the rumor thrown around, and I I think you know the Nick Casario to Jimmy G connection there is, is something that is probably legit. Um, he was on the Patriots, you know, personnel front office when they drafted him and, and eventually traded him to to San Fran for for a first round pick. Um, I don't think he, they would be all opposed as as if he was what had to be the Deshaun Watson successor there. I, th- I think that would be by far the best landing spot. I think that's interesting. I hadn't, like, because you bring up a good point. The Patriots were in love with Jimmy G and ready to make him the franchise quarterback. Um, so I think that would be a very interesting scenario. I do think that if that's on the table, then that's obviously Watson's best landing spot because of if uh, if Shanahan can make Nick Mullins when he starts a good fantasy quarterback, like Nick Mullins would put up points whenever he started. Uh, imagine Deshaun Watson. There's there's a stretch of time where he was only behind Andrew Luck and Patrick Mahomes for most passing yards through X <laughs> amount of career starts. It was like nine career. Yeah, starts. that was the craziest that. Um, quick stat I, correction. I don't think it's a good fit though. In you don't San think Frank. that'd be a good fit? Here's why. Because I've I've went back and the other day and I was just looking through a, a Mike Shanahan leaked playbook on the Broncos and just watching this 49ers offense for a while. The the main reason I don't like it is because I don't think the 49ers offense really fits Deshaun Watson's skill set. Deshaun Watson is a guy that he he's greedy. He wants to hold on to the football. He wants to stretch the field. And the 49ers offense is almost the exact opposite. It's a very timing offense right our the footwork of the quarterback is timed to the routes of the receivers we get the ball out we run the ball a whole lot i think that shanahan is good enough that he'd be able to tweak his system around deshaun but if i'm going to choose a landing spot i think it's the best i'm going to go with matt rule and, and the carolina panthers a guy that 
has been in the college game and had a ton of success, a guy that has a quarterback with a similar but way less skill set in Teddy Bridgewater, and we saw they were in a ton of one-score one games, and just imagine what he could do if he gets someone like Deshaun Watson, who's just 10 times better than Teddy Bridgewater. So I, I don't think that's a great fit, and I think the Niners are a lot higher than on Jimmy G than, than the public is. That's fair. Yeah. I will say I will say with the quick-hitting, short passes, while I do think that Chanahan's offense, I think also part of it is the fact that he's never really had an elite tier talent quarterback to where I think Ryan the offense an MVP. Been designed to make it a lot easier on them. He had Matt Ryan win an MVP. Yeah, Matt Ryan won an MVP with him. Oh, I forgot. And that. I think that's the type of quarterback that he wants because Matt Ryan really fit his system well. And I think that's why they heavily pursued someone like Jimmy Garoppolo a couple of years ago. Yeah. No, the Matt um, Ryan. Well, that's just my opinion. Yeah. The only thing I, I'll mean, ask- I, I think. I think you make up, bring up some good points, but I just think you know Kyle Shanahan would is good enough as an offensive mind to to figure out how to use you know one of the best quarterbacks. Yeah, in Yeah, yeah, I agree with that. And <laughs> Lunas is a wizard. Lunas has been calling everything recently. So, <laughs> <laughs> shout out Trevor. The I got it. the only thing I'll <laughs> shout out Trevor. The the only thing I'll add is a quick stat correction. Jimmy G was traded uh, for a second round pick. I don't know what kind of value he garners now from the 49ers, um, like what they could get for him. Uh, he's definitely someone that could potentially be traded. But you know what? We could talk about this all we want. Like We don't actually know what's going to happen. We're not insiders. We're not the executives. So with that, let's just move on to our only other segment of today. We're going to, you know, it's we're in the offseason. So what we got to focus on is players that we have, players that we want. And so we picked... You know, uh, a few players that are controversial to many people in the Dynasty community. Some value them high, some value them low. We're going to talk about what we think about them. Should we buy, sell them? What we would pay for them? The maximum, the minimum. Um, So, yeah. Starting off, we're going to go with the Saints' potential starting quarterback. um, Someone that they paid a lot of money. Taysom Hill. And I think I'll throw this to Frank to start. What do you think about Taysom Hill? So, um, if you're interested in Taysom Hill, we do have a Taysom Hill film analysis that I did a while back um, where I watched three games, kind of showed what he's good and not good at. Right now, in my opinion, contrary to some of the reports that we've been hearing, I think that Taysom Hill is the favorite to be the starting quarterback in New Orleans, and I do think that he's a decent buy. I think that right now... the the risk of him is not as priced in as the benefit. I think that right now, for a Taysom Hill owner, it would take a mid-second to pry him off his hands, and I think that is also the maximum price I would pay. In terms of of the talent level of Taysom Hill, though, I, I think that people don't realize that Taysom Hill has the necessary arm strength to be a starting quarterback in the NFL. If someone tells you he doesn't, you can look at plenty of throws. There was one in particular on BYU that I showed during the analysis where he hit a guy 54, 55 yards in stride. Last time I checked, that's pretty damn far and good enough to be in the NFL. People are saying that Zach Wilson has got a great arm where I, the farthest I've seen him throw the ball is only 60 yards, right? Only 60. Um, 
you know, he, he has a skill set that I think that fits Sean Payton's offense. I think that Sean Payton believes him. While he, and it's, it's, it's only a decent buy, though, because while I do think he's the favorite, there's just way too much risk for me to realistically want to pay 205 206 for this quarterback, especially when around there you might be able to land someone like Mac Jones, who I think I just like a, lot, a whole lot more. Um, yeah, <laughs> we're, eating, we're eating W's out here. It's all aboard the Jameis train. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, yeah, I, I, I want no part of, of Taysom Hill. I know people like him because of his rushing upside, and he played really well in those games that he filled in for um, Drew Brees. But I, I just, I'm all aboard the Jameis train. Let him chuck the ball. Let him see what he can do in a Sean Payton offense. I really think that you know Taysom Hill only got the nod. Um, midseason because, you know, Sean Payton has had more trust in him, more of a rapport with him. Um, but if if he got to see Jameis all this year, full offseason in Jameis if he resigns, which I think he will, um, I'm just all in on Jameis, so I don't really want any part of uh, Taysom Hill here. Yeah, I'm going to make mine short because I think Jake summed up, summed up my thoughts well. Um, I, I think Jameis ends up beating him out in camp just because I think Jameis is a better pure quarterback than Taysom Hill. And I think Jake brought up a good point where they may have not wanted to throw Jameis into a situation where it's his first season in the offense in a shortened uh, training camp. Uh, if if I had Taysom Hill and I could get 205 for him, I, I would I would take that because it's just such a risk What's to hold on to. What's your min sell? Huh? What's your minimum sell for Taysom Hill? If you were a Taysom owner, what's, what, what's the minimum pick you would sell him for? Second round. What, any pick in the second round? I was going to say late second. I would take any kind of second rounder for Taysom Hill. Yeah, so my thought process on this is, and you kind of alluded to it, Frank, is I think Mac Jones will, in most super flex leagues, Mac Jones will be available in like the middle of the second round. And I'd rather take the gamble on Mac Jones rather than go with Taysom Hill. Um, now where it gets interesting, though, is, is Kyle Trask, right? Because that's the only other real quarterback that is likely to go, like, you know, top three rounds probably. What do you guys think? Late second round for Kyle Trask? Um, wherever he ends up, that's, like, where I'd kind of be like, okay, I think I might rather have Taysom Hill. And when we talk about super flex drafts, you know, unless Lunas is in your league, uh, Kyle Trask is probably ending up, you know, probably getting passed on until early third, maybe late second, depending on situation. Um, so with that in mind, I, I think a late second is what I'd sell Taysom Hill for. Though that's... So, so actually, though... Thinking back, I think the minimum, if you could get me like an early third, like you can guarantee me 302, I think I, I'm going to be like, I'd rather just gamble on someone else. The max that I'm willing to pay for Taysom Hill is probably, if I'm really QB needy, I'd give up like 2627 two, to get Taysom Hill. JT, I, I really love that you brought up that point. Like, because now that I'm thinking about it, I think I actually am a little bit lower on Taysom Hill than I initially thought with that 205. Because thinking about it it's like okay Kyle Trask or Taysom Hill Kyle Trask at the end of the day is just a better pure passer than Taysom Hill is the the problem with Taysom Hill and you can see this in the analysis I did is that he's got one throw 
He's got one throw, and that's it. He's got a fastball, and he needs a throwing lane. Kyle Trask is a pure thrower, has much more touch than I think Taysom Hill ever will. So, if Kyle Trask is on the board at 301, I think I'd just rather have Kyle Trask than Taysom Hill, even if Taysom Hill is in a good scenario. Uh, Taysom Hill, I'm very on and off with. I, I like For me, though, I'm not selling him for a late second. I, I'm not. That, that's the only thing. I just think that the mat, like the minimum I would sell him for is two oh six, right? Is the shot at someone that I really like in Mac Jones because I, I do think that Taysom Hill, because of how good of a rusher he is, and the fact that if he was on any other team but the Saints, I wouldn't like him. But he can run that Sean Payton system. We've seen it. the The receivers, the skill sets that they have on that team, just fit him. Kyle Trask so- on the board at three oh one. The guy offers you 301 straight up for your Taysom Hill. If, if I could if I could take this, I just think so so I'm the Taysom Hill owner in this situation, right? Um so I've said Correct. this before. Yeah, I've said this before on a different podcast. I don't remember which one uh, one of our episodes. But there's very overwhelming evidence that suggests that quarterbacks are most likely going to succeed when they're taken in the first half of the first round. You know, like pick 16 and up in the first round. That's where the overwhelming majority of NFL quarterbacks that are still in the league currently got drafted. That's not the case with NFL wide receivers. Um, it is kind of the case with running backs. Not obviously that early. But but quarterbacks, it's so, so evident that they get drafted early, they get drafted often, and those are the guys that you want. When we're talking about Kyle Trask getting drafted into the late second, early third kind of round area, that does give me pause about Kyle Trask. It makes me, you know, hesitate and, and wonder about his NFL success because if teams are waiting that long to go and draft him, they're not as tied to him. If he doesn't succeed, uh, they'll, they'll be quick to cut bait. It's just something that I'd be worried about. And at that point, like, I have seen Taysom Hill play. I've seen him actually play well, have fantasy productive days, win games for the Saints. And in that case, I'm keeping Taysom Hill. All right. If there's nothing else to add on that, we can move on to our next guy. Um, Let's see. I will throw this one to Jake. Jake, we got someone who's just... (laughs) I don't have any other words than you like that. Kirk Cousins. Where you got him? Where do I got him? I have him as a underrated QB2 in a super flex league. I think Kirk Cousins gets slept on all the time just because he's not flashy. He doesn't run the football. But at the end of the day, he usually finishes in that you know QB10 to 15 range. And he, that's what he is. And I think he's a very solid player. Um, is he worth a first-round pick? To a QB needy team, probably. Is it something I'd be really wanting to do? No. But I think if you can get, you know, my personal max price that I would buy Kirk Cousins at is two second round picks. Um, I think that's fair in a super flex league. Obviously, in a non super flex, I don't, I don't, I wouldn't even come close to that. Yeah, um, I will say for as much hate as Kirk Cousins gets, he's been, he's been like, a good QB too, like uh, it, he gets a lot of slack a lot of years 
because like especially like in I feel the real life perception of him makes him underrated in fantasy. I think I think that's what kind of hurts him because people just know him for choking in primetime games, never really being in that elite level. But fantasy wise, he hasn't been bad. Um, so I think Jake summed it up well on the value, and I think he's someone where. I don't know, he's kind of, especially in startup drafts, I feel like he's kind of underrated. Like, he goes re- pretty low in Superflex startup drafts, where he's someone we could get a good QB2 who's going to be a starter for the next few years. Um, and so, uh, that's my opinion on him. I think um, that'd be the first thing that come to mind, is, like, being able to kind of steal him in some startups at Superflex. My- yeah, so just, just for some reference... Since Kirk Cousins has taken over the starting job um, in Washington and, and, and since moved to Minnesota, he's finished QB 10, QB 5, QB 6, QB 13, QB 19, QB 11 less this past season. So that he, like I said, I think at this point in his career, he's just an established QB 2, and that's just what he is. And people, you know, people think he's finished, but I, I think he's still got a few good years left at this production. Let me ask you guys a question, right? You're, I'll give you a scenario. You're a championship team. You just won the championship, but you won it on the backs of, I don't know, Aaron Rodgers and Tom Brady, right? You've got two aging quarterbacks, and you know that you're going to have to go out and get a quarterback. Do you, you're, you're, you're picking 112. We're in a 12-team league. You're, you're picking 112, and Mac Jones is on the board, but you get an offer for Kirk Cousins straight up. Are you picking Mac Jones or are you trading that pick for Kirk Cousins? That's a good question. I'm taking Mac Jones. Well, Frank loves Mac Jones, so obviously I think he's taking Mac Jones. The, the only thing that makes me hesitate, if I wasn't a contender, it's definitely Mac Jones. But as you just said, like it's someone who just won the chip, which means he already has a championship-ready roster. And I feel like Kirk would give you the best chance to win in the next season or two. Yep. Realistically, That's... what I'm doing is not... I'm taking just the best skill player on the board and then trading for an aging quarterback. Because I, I think that, for me personally, Kirk Cousins is not the kind of player that I want to buy with draft capital. He's the kind of player that I would... If I desperately need quarterbacks, I'd rather trade you know, running backs or receivers on my roster for him and, and also just kind of play the market with other quarterbacks in that general area. Let's just say Jimmy G, for example. I think that Jimmy G might be a better buy for his price because while you may not get that upside of production, unless you desperately need a QB2, if you literally do not have a QB2, that's a different story. Yeah, take Kirk Cousins if you're a contending team. But I'm just going out here and assuming that if you won the championship, you had more than... You at least have a couple questionable guys at, at quarterback too, right? Like... In that example, you said we had Tom Brady and Aaron Rodgers. I at least know they're playing, so I don't, I'm not going to take. I, I'm not going to take the risk of of Kirk Cousins. I'd rather have the upside of Mac Jones. Yeah, I also think that helps turn around your uh, your QB room a little bit. You know, you get the rookie come in, you get some some youth, and you're not tied now to a thirty a forty three year old quarterback. 37-year-old quarterback and now a 33-year-old Kirk Cousins. It, it gives some youth to your, your team there, which is always a good thing. Are any of you low on Mac Jones? I'm not low on him. I'm just not as high on him as you are. Yeah, I think you're a little 
higher than all of us are, but I, I, I respect what he's done. I think he's a talented quarterback, and I just I just have him behind, you know, the likes of Trevor Lawrence, Justin Fields, Trey Lance, and and uh, and Wilson. So it's it that's the that's the issue in this draft is that it's a QB heavy draft for Mac. Yeah, Jones. I think that's the main difference because I think you view Mac Jones as kind of like a not very far behind fifth. Versus, I view it as like a tier break after the QB four. Before I, I was just wondering because I know we're a Trey Lance podcast. I thought maybe we were starting to swing to also being a, a, a Trey Lance Mac Jones podcast. <laughs> well, we're de- as long as you don't take the Trey Lance part out, I think we're good. <laughs> I um, this is kind of you know I'm not sure how many Dynasty listeners also listen to a part of my take there sports co- podcast Barstool Sports, but they were talking about. You know, becoming a Trey Lance podcast, and I just gotta say, part of my take. Wow, stay off our turf. <laughs> Zach thing, you can have everything else. Yeah, <laughs> Zach ours. thing though, you can have literally everything else. <laughs> Zach's. We gotta get him on um, here before he goes on on, on part of my yeah, take. Yeah, I mean, uh, sure. <laughs> if we can get him, we can get him. Um, <laughs> my, I, I think we gotta pivot now. But I'm, I'm iffy on Mac Jones. I want to see where he gets drafted because I think. A lot of that will have to do with situation and where he ends up for me. Um, moving on, though. Next guy in our discussion. This one I'm throwing to Lunas because he owns him. He's also on the team that he, he's a fan of. That's Miles Sanders. What are we feeling about Miles Sanders, Lunas? Um, I thought if I didn't own him, I'd kind of be trying to buy him because he kind of came off a very unconventional season. He was injured for long sh- He was injured for a stretch of it in the middle. Um, the entire offense was a mess. The O-line was just decimated by injuries. Um, and we we kind of saw him come back to life at the end of the season with Jalen Hurts. I think Jalen Hurts being the starter is a plus towards Miles Sanders. Um, because defenses have to watch out for the for a quarterback running now. I think they're going to depend on him more and not put as much pressure on Jalen Hurts as they did with Carson Wentz with having a carry. I think the, um, the new coach... Uh, Sirianni would kind of put him in that JT role, and also just just off the fact that the um, the O line starters that they're getting back, I think will automatically kind of make things easier for him. Like Lane Johnson will be back and healthy. Jason Kelsey's not retiring, which was a fear. Brandon Brooks, who's one of the best guards in football, will be back. Um, Dillard will also be back at uh, the right tackle spot. I, I think he's. Like, if I didn't own him and the owner was kind of low on him from last season, I would try to buy him. What's what's the price? Well, what's your max will- price? Yeah, what's the price you're willing to spend to get Miles Sanders? That's a good question. I'm trying to think if he was in the first round in this draft or am I taking him? Um, would you trade pick 103 for him? No, I don't think 103 that high. I How about was this? Think- would you take? Would you rather have him or Najee Harris? I I would rather Miles Sanders than any of the rookie running backs. I agree with that. Do any of you yeah. disagree with that one? Jake seems I, to be shaking. I'd rather have Javante Williams. I disagree with that. Miles Sanders well, has just proven it to me, kind of a more. And I do think those guys will be good, but I actually kind of like Miles Sanders' situation next year. Between the coaching staff, Jalen Hurts is his QB running zone reads a lot, and the O-line being back healthy. Um, and I think they're not going to put a ton of pressure on Hurts. I-, I like the situation he's in for next year. I mean, I think I think that 
Miles Sanders kind of falls into this Joe Mixon paradox, guys. I'm not going to lie. I think he's this guy that everyone's like, oh, he's going to be good. Oh, he's going to be good. And he's just okay. Well, um, obviously. Let me cut you off right there. Let me cut you off right there. Would you trade Joe Mixon straight up one for one for Miles Sanders? No, I keep Joe Mixon. And Lunas, I doubt you'd go the other way, right? Would you trade Miles Sanders one for one with Joe Mixon? No, I'm, I'm keeping. I'm keeping Sanders. We should have a bet on Sanders versus Mixon for next season. <laughs> we got to hold ourselves uh, accountable. Yes, yes. The, the, we should have a bet right, on the podcast. That's right, boys. Let's do it. We'll we'll think of something to wager. We'll do more I think we'll, nice podcast. we'll make it. We'll make it something we have to do on this podcast, depending on who finishes better next season, uh, with Sanders versus Mixon. Implementing right. podcast bets is actually something that yes, we should definitely do going forward. And you know what? This podcast is going to hold ourselves accountable. We all have a lot of you know kind of spicy takes. We're gonna throw them out there. We'll have another primer again. We'll go back and look at it. Just something to look at. Frank, do you got anything else you want to add on Miles Sanders? Are you giving up pick 105 for Miles Sanders? Um, no, but I probably would put Miles Sanders around like literally one or two picks back just because I think so I'd rather have See the problem with Miles Sanders is I think I'd rather have a lot of the quarterbacks, but I would take him over Najee and Etienne. Obviously, this is before landing spot, so that might change things a little bit for me. But as of right now, I'm kind of in the Lunas camp. I think that Miles Sanders, if you can get him at that late first price, I, I don't think you're going to be able to because I think he's one of those guys that is always going to fall in this offseason into the owners higher on him, especially if you were in a startup last year where an owner took him in the early second of a startup. They're not just going to give up on him after one season. But I I, I agree with Lunas. If, if you get an owner that views him as someone to fade I, I think he's he's a resounding buy we we've seen the talent um you know just looking at it he is like one of the only players that howie roseman actually hit on yeah um yeah that's right yeah, so is, that I, a, is that a good thing or is it a, is that a lot of <laughs> it's an anomaly he broke the curse that's how good he is yeah but i, I i'm in the lunas camp i think that L- miles sanders is a decent buy Maybe not for his price. I think that I'd pin him at around 107 right now because I'd rather have the top two receivers, Javante Williams, at least two of the quarterbacks, I'd imagine. So then we start getting into the conversation. Okay, QB3, let's see where Najee Harris and, and Etienne land. So I think that he's right around there. I have him around pick nine. Um, I think that's the highest I'd go um, just because probably – Probably pick 10. I'd have him behind the four quarterbacks, Devontae Smith uh, and and uh, Jamar Chase and probably the, the, the two running backs in uh, Etienne and Harris and probably even uh, Javante Williams. So I have him in that later half of the first round, 10-11 in there. You guys are, are low on Miles Sanders. Um, I, I have him in the... I'm well, more more so Jake than than Frank. I'm kind of more in the Frank camp of, I I trade about one and oh seven one oh seven. I think is what I'd give up for him if I needed a running back. Um, other than that, it gets iffy. I definitely think he's better than any of the 
Javante Williams is the only one I have questions on because I just I'm not like I don't know what to think yet about Javante Williams if I love him or not. Uh, but I would definitely take Miles Sanders over uh, ETN and Najee Harris. But with that, let's move on. I, I'll jump on this one, I guess, because uh, I haven't really taken anyone yet. CEH. Now, the issue with CEH is, and I think it's been an issue with a lot of other people before, too, a lot of other players, right? So he got hyped up a ton, kind of unforeseen amount of hype, where I've said it before on this podcast, he was getting drafted in the first round of startup drafts, uh, you know, with very little in, in like other yeah. than oh he's on the Chiefs like let's take him in the first um he had a great game in the start against the Texans and then since then hasn't really uh you know he, he produced some decent games but didn't really show as much as uh the likes of Jonathan Taylor J.K. Dobbins obviously James Robinson so he's behind on those guys um but with that, people are, you know, they're starting to say, like, oh, now now's a good time to go out and buy Clyde Edwards Hilaire. And when consensus starts getting like that, I like to do the opposite and be like, um, I'm still going to just be out on, on CEH. Like, I'm just not going to go out and buy him. Um, and with that, like, if I was a CEH owner, that's something I want to focus on now. What's the minimum I'd be willing to give up for him? Because I'm, I'm looking to sell him. So he was probably drafted in your Superflex League in around the top, I don't know, four or five picks. Probably behind Burrow, behind Tua, maybe behind Taylor. And, and then CH is right, right there, most likely. Um, obviously, he hasn't performed up to that talent, uh, up to that you know kind of value. So then you got to ask yourself, like, what are other people willing to pay? I've said before, I, I like most of these guys over um, most of the 2020 running backs over any of the 2021 running backs. But there are some wide receivers that I like from this class that I'm willing to go out and, and, you know, cash out on CEH and then just invest in one of these other wide receivers like a Bateman. Um, and so I'd feel comfortable selling CEH for about pick 108, 109. Um that's around, I the minimum I'd be willing to spend, and this might be a little crazy, I don't know, you guys might crucify for me for this, but I'd give up 111 in a Superflex League, uh, or I, I'd take 111 in a Superflex League and send away CEH. Um, what are your guys' thoughts on that? It's, it's close. I'd probably go around 109, um, maybe 110, but probably around 109 I'd like. Um, just because he was, uh, before he got hurt and um, before uh, Le'Veon Bell signed, I believe he was around, like, it was a really low-end RB1 or, like, one of the top RB2s. I want to say he was, like, 11 or 12. He was, was RB8 for a little while. Yeah, he was yeah. RB around 8 for a little while. Most yes. of that coming off his big game against the Texans. But, yeah, he was up that high. Sorry, continue. Yeah. So so I do value him for that. I it, when, when you mentioned, like, kind of, like, is he a buy? Because... He's, he's kind of somewhere in that weird predicament where you could probably get him at good value in a startup draft. But in terms of buying someone who, as you mentioned, he got so much draft hype last year. Someone probably took him uh, one through three in the rookie drafts last summer. I don't think they're going to be willing to just kind of give up on him after a year, especially when like he got 
he got injured, and they brought in Le'Veon Bell, and he started off strong. Uh, so he's somewhere kind of in that predicament. We're in a startup, you could get good value for him, but I don't think you're going to be able to trade for him easily. But I, I would probably, to answer your question overall, I'd probably say 109. Yeah, I have him similarly, similarly, similarly valued to uh, Miles Sanders. So I think he's around what I said before, one, one not, 109 to 111 range. Man, I guess I'm a lot higher on Edward Solaire because, well, like Jake, I, in my rankings right now, I have him one spot ahead of Miles Sanders in the same tier, tier four of running backs. I have it categorized RB2 with RB1 potential or a low-end RB1 with question marks. I think that's a perfect uh, category for Edward Solaire, and I'd probably value him. I, I put Miles Sanders at 107. I'm firmly, I think, 106-105 for Clyde Edwards-Elair. I'd rather have top two QBs, top two receivers, and Javante. That puts him, I'd firmly have him right now over Najee Harris. Um, I, I Once again, if, if Najee Harris goes, say, like, pick 20 in the draft, then that's definitely going to shoot him up. But Edwards-Elair... I think that I saw exactly what I was expecting out of him. He's a guy that, coming out, I wanted to see if he could improve in his runs in between the guards, mainly on inside zone and duo concepts, especially off these RPOs. He got off to a hot start against the league's worst run defense and was not able to improve. Still a rookie. We saw everything else that, that he was able to offer. He's extremely shifty. He's a dynamic running back. I think that his role is still going to increase. And I think that we saw that during the Super Bowl, his role needed to be increased because they weren't really able to move the ball by just throwing the ball every play. Um, so I I still like Edwards Elair. I'm not selling low on him. My min sell for Edwards Elair is is probably like 104, 105. I want to have a shot at one of the top receivers, QB two or Javante Williams, if I'm selling him. If if yeah, 104. Hold on, sorry, one second, Jake. If 104 or 105 is, like, your, your min sell, what's what's your max buy? Like, what are you willing to give up to go out and get CEH? 106. Probably right around there. How, how's that work? Like, if you're willing to sell him for 104 or 105, you're only willing to give him give up 106 oh, for him? Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> well, like, no, no, no. Yeah, there's, like... If, if I have him, I'm not selling him for 106, but if I'm buying him, I'm buying... I don't know if I mixed that up or not. Um, maybe I did. But basically, if I'm selling him, I want at minimum 105. If I'm buying him, I want at... I'm probably not giving up 105 to get him just because right now I have Javante graded higher and the receivers graded higher. I haven't got around to the quarterbacks, but I can imagine with all the hype around it, that Trevor Lawrence and another quarterback is going to be above him as well. Okay, yeah, that's that's what I was looking for. What are you going to say, Jake? Did you have something else to add? Yeah, just one quick note. Obviously, uh, Damian Williams is expected back with the Chiefs next year. He opted out this year due to COVID. I do expect Clyde Edwards-Hilaire to be the starting running back for the Chiefs. Don't make any mistake about it. But I do think that Damian Williams is a better backup than Daryl Williams or even a washed-up Le'Veon Bell at this point. So I, I do think they're going to split more than some may may think. It's a good point. Good point. But uh, with that, let's move on. 
to our next guy. Frank, I'll throw him to you. Michael Thomas of the New Orleans Saints. What do you got about Michael Thomas? You know, Michael Thomas, the, the big thing that is tough to gauge is the whole character thing. Because, you know, the, the Saints DBs, best trash talkers in the league, were obviously able to get to Michael Thomas as he socked Chauncey Gardner-Johnson during the season to get suspended. He had the injury concerns. The talent's there. Um, people will bring into question his age. If I'm a Michael Thomas owner, I don't think that impacts me too much as long as my team isn't completely out of the playoff race. So, to sum it up, my max buy for Michael Thomas would probably be wherever Waddle and Bateman are going. I think that's my max buy. Okay. Um, maybe the Etienne pick. I'm, I'm glad you mentioned those names because that's right around where I'm probably hit the highest person on Bateman in, in this group. So I think I'd rather have Bateman than Thomas. But I'd rather have Thomas than Waddle. And so I just kind of sandwich really? him in between them. Yeah. Yeah. Because I still think I still think Thomas, you know, like, call him slant boy, call him whatever. He's Wait, still is, an elite wide receiver is, talent. Is Bateman your wide receiver two right now in prospects? Yeah. Bateman's Chase one, Bateman two, Waddle three. Sorry, Devontae Smith people. Um yeah, that, that's about where I have him, sandwiched in between those guys. So, was that come out to be in a super flex draft? Like, who knows where the quarterbacks are kind of going to go. They could really screw things up, depending on your leagues. But right around 108 is probably where I'd give up for Michael Thomas. 108 is, I think, what I'd be willing to move for Michael Thomas. What do you guys think? Um. I think that's the right value. I have it to flip for. I'd probably lean Waddle, but take him over Bateman. Um, but I respect your take. Uh, what was it? I'd probably have it around that pick. Uh, but I do think there are legit concerns with him. I don't know what was up with him this year, honestly. Uh, we brought up the, the practice stuff um, that happened where he just punched one of his teammates in the face. Um, obviously, this this I'm not like being like, oh, because of this, he's going to be bad next year, but... It was kind of weird that he didn't have a single catch in that playoff game um, against uh, Tampa Bay. Uh, I, don't, I don't know. It's it's kind of – it was a weird season for him and interesting to see how much, as like a young player, he's dropped in value in one year. Because before this season, we were talking about to see like the dynasty wide receiver won. If he, if he didn't have him at one, he was definitely in that conversation, like in the top three. Uh, so – I don't know. It'll be interesting if you're banking on maybe if Jameis is starting next year, does that help him? Um, that's actually another point I wanted to bring up. What do you think is the most ideal uh, quarterback outcome for um, for Michael Thomas? Do you think it's Taysom Hill where they might design slants to the number one receiver more often because he's more limited as a passer? Do you think it's Jameis because he's willing to sling it more? Do you think it's maybe a rookie quarterback? Maybe they trade up for Mac Jones? Michael Thomas is the perfect receiver for Taysom Hill. And it's not just because Taysom Hill can only throw slants. It's because Taysom Hill's best throws are... I assume that Taysom Hill has a baseball background because he he looks like he's a shortstop out there. He wants a nice clean throwing lane, a nice space for his feet to crow hop into it, and he wants to throw that ball on a line. He doesn't want to have to 
do a throw over a linebacker under a safety. He doesn't want to have to throw a ball into space where a safety is driving down the ball. He wants to say, hey, Michael Thomas, run a dig, run a curl, a slant, which Michael Thomas is perfect at. So I can understand why people would assume that it would be Jameis Winston, and I can understand why they may prefer Jameis Winston just because Jameis Winston's a better passer of the football. But I think that Michael Thomas, we saw what he was able to do with Taysom Hill, and I think that in terms of a, of a receiver one that would really fit Taysom Hill, it, it would be exactly Michael Thomas. I just think the problem with Michael Thomas is it just really feels like the cliff has come for him that we're never going to see that same year he had again. I was never huge on Michael Thomas, but I respected him. I would legitimately be shocked if he puts up anywhere near the numbers he had that season he had two years ago. Yeah, I'm really glad that Frank said that because I thought what I was going to say was going to be just a flaming hot take, but I don't think I would give up any first-round pick for Michael Thomas right now. Between the character issue. Between the character issues of, you know, punching his own teammate in practice, between playing, not just not playing this year with injury, between the, uh, you know, the uncertainty of the the New Orleans quarterback situation, uh, and the fact that he's going to be entering his age 28 season coming up, which is generally, I mean, generally receivers you tend to fall off around 30, so he probably only has a few years left at, at this level. And I just don't think he's ever really going to be as good as he was two years ago, like Frank said, um, and heading into this year where everyone had him as a top three wide receiver in Dynasty. I just don't think he's ever going to be even close to that. Okay, but counterpoint to that, and I'm honestly not the biggest Michael Thomas fan, but prior to this year, he was a top 10 wide receiver every single year. And I get if you guys think he's going to have a huge drop-off, right? But what we're talking about is, you know, where I said at least was somewhere between Bateman and Waddle, and Luna said Waddle and Bateman. And, like, there's only 12 wide receiver ones on the year. Do you guys, like, believe Waddle and Bateman can end up being wide receiver ones? Like, even if Michael Thomas has a huge drop-off and is, like, a middle wide receiver too, like, I, I don't know where Bateman and Waddle are going to end up in that regard. And we're saying 28... But I still feel like Michael Thomas has at least three solid years. And if I get three solid years of, you know, at, at minimum mid wide receiver two production, like I'd just rather have the first. I, I mean, I, mean I, I said that I'd have him over. I'd take him over Waddle. I'd take him over Bateman. Um, now, if we're talking about it, but the thing is, we're talking about Michael Thomas. This is a guy that was the undoubted wide receiver one two two seasons ago which was not that long ago um i think the problem for him for me is that i can understand why people would really like to buy him off of the talent i'm just personally not buying him maybe if i could for 111 but what michael thomas owner is going to sell him for 111 you would have to be jake and really hate his outlook to sell him at 111 i think he's a resounding hold and my minimum sell is you know, is is probably 107, 106. I'm not going to sell him for a really back half of the of the draft first round pick. He could easily turn it around. I mean, I've I say his character concerns. I've never had a conversation with him. He just he's not. I'm too scarred by AB. I'm not buying a receiver like that. That's overpaid. That had, did nothing last year. Um, the Saints are in cap hell. It, he just really I've, too many red flags for me to buy. 
Yeah, that that's exactly it. It's too many red flags for me to buy. And to your point, JT, like where you're comparing them to, you know, a Waddle or a Bateman, the thing is, like, sure, maybe they never reached the peak that Michael Thomas had two years ago, but you're going to get, you could get 10 seasons of a guy at a wide receiver two versus three receivers, three seasons at a wide receiver two of Michael Thomas, and that's just more value. And I think Jake's convincing me more and more kind of being lower on him. I think Jake's brought up a lot of points. Um, I might have to lower mine from one of, I, I will go like 111, 112 range. I don't know if I'll go completely out of the first round, but definitely outside of the top. But it, even there, like I've talked about this before, those receivers in that first half of the second, going in the first half of the second round of a lot of rookie drafts, you know, the Thailand Wallaces and, and the uh, Elijah Moores and all these guys, they're also guys that I, I, I like. And if you could trade Michael Thomas and get two of those guys, maybe, I, I just think it's a no-brainer in my opinion. No, dude, because the thing is for me, what Bateman's comp is Michael Thomas. What do you want Bateman to become? You a want him Michael to become Thomas. Michael Thomas. But a younger one, the only, without yeah. character concerns. The, the talent right. is not a question of Michael Thomas. I think he could be an amazing buy. And if if I just didn't, if I was able to get past these red flags, I would love Michael Thomas as a buy. And I actually think he's way more of a buy right now than a sell. It's just... Me, personally, I cannot buy him. I'm too scarred from AB. I, I'm not I'm not doing it. It's just no bueno for me. Right. So you said that the comp for, my, or for Bateman is Michael Thomas. So if you can get even 75%, let's say, of Michael Thomas in Bateman for 10 years compared to what Michael Thomas is now for three years, which is more valuable... I think we're just selling Michael Thomas really short at this point. Like, yeah, I think that's selling him way too short. Yeah, the the man's been like other than this year in which he was injured and we had Drew Brees with cracked ribs or whatever the hell he had. Like, Michael Thomas has been wide receiver one for like five straight years. With, that's with what Jake? With Drew Brees, we've literally never seen him produce without Drew Brees, and that is what's going to be happening moving forward. Yeah, but I'm not selling Michael. My minimum sell for Michael Thomas is not a bottom half of the draft first round pick. I, I still, if I'm a Michael Thomas owner, I, I I'm just gonna deal with whatever happens, right? Unless I need and, to and, rebuild, and even then, okay, if I need to rebuild and I need to get rid of him, I'm gonna try really try to get. 108 109 and if i can't get that i'm gonna say fuck the rookie picks i'll just sell him for players because jt's right this guy is still legit he missed a lot of the season from injury he played well with Taysom hill there are plenty of things you can buy into yeah uh we'll we'll move on after this i just for me my max buy it gets tough because the only the only wide receiver prospect that i really think does have like a much better outlook is is Jamar Chase and where is he getting drafted? He's probably getting drafted around 106, 105. I don't know, maybe 104. So I guess 106, I'll say, assuming Chase is gone by then, is why I'd give up for for Michael Thomas. I, I know I said I'd rather have Rashad Bateman over him. I think I might have changed my mind while we were talking about it, just because I've seen what people have been saying. Um, 
with that, they're probably even for me. So wherever Rashad Bateman's getting drafted is probably wherever I'm willing to value Michael Thomas. I'm not selling him if I have him for anything lower than probably 108 or 109. I know that's only like three draft pick difference. But, I mean, that's just a very tight range of where I've got Michael Thomas. Um, moving on. Let's see. I'll throw this one to Lunas because he owns him in our league. Uh, someone with a very disappointing season so far, but looking to bounce back. That's Henry Ruggs. What do we got on Henry Ruggs, Lunas? Uh, okay, so Ruggs. Uh, obviously, I have kind of crazy expectations to start start of the year with him getting drafted ahead of C.D. Lamb and Jerry Judy. <laughs> That's obviously not Ruggs' fault, but I think we kind of all were confused at that decision on draft night, and it kind of not exactly how we thought it should go, but C.D. Lamb and Judy are... Well, especially C.D. Lamb had a much better season. Uh, with Ruggs, it's interesting because he, he for stretches of games, would just, like, disappear. Well, not, like, fully as much disappear, but he was used as a decoy a ton. Like, he's one of those players that is more useful in real life than he would be in fantasy. Because he, he would draw safety coverage a ton of times. Uh, he would draw attention running deep and free things op- uh, free things open up or open up things to free uh, Aguilar and Waller. Uh, but then occasionally you'd have these plays where he he looks insanely impressive and almost like Tyree Kill-esque where like he caught the contested catch over a corner 40 yards downfield against Atlanta or him torching uh, Kansas City the first time they played. Um I'm not even going to count that Jets touchdown. That's more of a fuck-up by the Jets than even just him. <laughs> <laughs> like, I can't, he just ran in the street. What do you mean? That's what you're supposed to do at the last play of the game. You're supposed to blitz everyone. <laughs> yeah, like it's like, Dr. Heat's got to bring the heat. That's what he does. Like It's like, yeah, they, all they need is a touchdown, so let's leave the fastest player on the field one-on-one with a corner. Um, yeah, with I, Lamar Jackson. <laughs> I don't know. Um, I think Lamar Jackson, the quarterback, had a better chance of guarding him. <laughs> probably, probably. That's actually a very Honestly, good point. Probably, it's because he could keep up with him more. But the flashes did show me enough where I have hope for him. In terms of a minimum sell, what would I want as a rugs owner? Again, it's different with as an owner. What would I sell for versus what I would expect someone to pay for him? Because I think he's a hold in general. Like I, I don't know if I would say he's a buy. Or I would list him as a hold. I'd probably want a really early second for him. Um, somewhere between like 201, 203. Because he got taken most drafts last year at the end of the first round. Probably around like 108 to 111 range. Uh, you still you saw the flashes um, of him breaking out here and there. Both rookie receivers on the Raiders kind of struggled. And it might be a complicated offense to learn to shorten shortened season. And he just showed enough flashes to where it's hard to sell him for less than an early second. But at the same time, I'm not expecting someone to like necessarily be running on my door to pay that price. So I, I think he's a hold at this point if anyone owns him. And hoping that he, another year in the NFL, he can learn how to create more separation to where he's not just being used as a decoy as often. All right, Lewis, let me ask you this real quick. Um, I'll hit you with two guys, right? Yeah. So someone's on the clock. They're, they're picking, and they have pick 205, right? And I'll give you two different scenarios, and you let me know for each. Kadarius Tony's on the board at 205. Are you trading rugs for 205 and snagging Kadarius Tony? Uh, you know I love Tony, but I'd I, I keep rugs at that point. Okay. 
How about Terrace Marshall's on the board? Same spot. If he has a really, really good fit, maybe, but I don't think so. Okay, so I, I, so I'd you're, rather stick with Rugs. You, you you're realize, not selling NFL Ruggs, GMs. Though. He was he was a top twenty talent. You can argue he shouldn't have gone maybe thirteen, but a lot of teams had him as like a top maybe not top twenty, but top twenty five guy in last year's draft. Um, and I think I think there's a lot more potential to be tapped into with using him in different ways. I don't think they got the ball in his hands enough. Uh, I don't think they ran like enough slants and screens with him. They just kind of sent him deep most plays. So I- I'll take the chance on Rugs because I think he's more physically talented. I want to hear what uh, Jake and Frank think. Also, I have him pretty much exactly where you did. I have him around two hundred one to two hundred three. I would love to get one of those you know receivers that just fall out of the first round. I think it's a, like I said. When we were talking about Michael Thomas, I think it's a great spot this year to draft wide receivers. I think there's going to be a lot of talented ones still on the board. Um, I do agree with you saying Ruggs was definitely a top 25 talent in last year's draft. He was drafted that high for a reason, obviously overdrafted by the Raiders just because they fell in love with that speed. Um, But overall, I I would still want a very quality wide receiver back in return, and I think I can get that in this early second round this year, as is a better draft than last year. I think I still have him in the same spot I had him last year. I'm I'm thinking it out in my head. Yeah, I think I'd have him at like 203, which is the same draft pick I 203 204 where I had him last year. Um I I think that of all the people here, I probably had the most tempered expectations of rugs. I basically liked every single receiver not named LaVisca Chenault over him. I still do. But I What do you got like, against LaVisca? <laughs> I, the only thing that concerned yeah, me about know, was injury. He's just, Future Trevor Lawrence number one right there. I don't care. Um, <laughs> but in terms of rugs, like, I don't know why everyone has been so quick to give up on him and call him a bust. As a basic, basically a Raiders fan last year, I actually thought he had a pretty damn good year. Um, he, he had to deal with a lot of injuries, which for a guy who relies on his speed really kind of hinders you and your competitive advantage that you had coming into the league. Um, like Lunas said, the games that he was involved in, I mean, he did exactly what he was supposed to do and made the plays exactly when he needed to make them. Um, so I don't really think that my valuation of Henry Ruggs has gone down at all. We just... Like I thought last year, he's a guy that we need to see some development out of. He he didn't have a crazy good route tree coming out. Um, I think that, like Lunas said, not only do the Raiders need to get the ball in his hands more, we need to see him be better with the ball in his hands, um, especially down, not down the field, before the line of scrimmage, because I think that's, that's an area that he did struggle with at Bama, was that with the ball in his hands, he was great down the field, but before before the line of scrimmage, when people can actually react to where he is in the field, I don't think he was very good enough. He was not very good and was not good enough. Needs to get better in the NFL. But like Luna said, I think he's a hold. Nothing crazy. 203-204 valuation. So it seems like I, I might be the lowest on rugs then. Um, you know, I, I'll take him over. Tony... But I just think that this is a very, very good wide receiver class. 
um, and one that I like a lot. So I would probably sell him for like 208 because the guys that I take over him include like Terrace Marshall, Diami Brown, Elijah Moore, uh, and then right around there is probably where I'd cut it off with, with players. Um, you know, I'm assuming Rondale Moore is obviously very, very, very much gone too, but just got to toss his name in there and make sure people know we're not, you know, neglecting him. Um, so 208 is probably where I'm going to give up rugs because I just think those other guys do have a chance to, you know, flash in their first year in the league and make more of an impact. And with that, like, so, so if, if rugs plays really well this year and has a very solid season, like, he's still not going to be worth as much as a rookie who flashes. Like, you know, um, I don't have any specific examples that come to mind because there weren't many second-year wide receivers that kind of uh, uh, proved themselves this year. But, you know, the the likes of T. Higgins is going to improve their stock a lot more than the likes of... D.K. Metcalf? Oh, well, D.K. was already coming on at the... D.K. was already valued really high by the end of the year. I mean, not... Maybe Deontay, but so Deontay was valued pretty highly coming into the, Johnson, into the yeah. season as well. Yeah, but like, pretend like a uh, rest in peace, like JJ Arcega Whiteside. And pretend like him. How can you bring up this lawn chair again? <laughs> no, no. Pretend him or Nikhil Harry, like instead of having a bad year, like you know, boom, like Nikhil Harry has like eight touchdowns and nine hundred fifty yards. With, with the Patriots. Like, let's imagine a world where that happened, right? I still don't think he'd be valued as high as T. I know. I, I, I just, I just <laughs> don't think he's getting a highly, as highly valued as T. Higgins still. So if you could get that wide receiver that, that booms in, in the second round, I just think you're getting more value there. Um, I don't know. Do you guys have any last-minute thoughts, or are we ready to wrap it up with our last guy? All right, let's, let's wrap it up. Uh, the last guy, I'll, I'll toss this one to Frank. Uh, kind of a disappointing season, uh, a, a down year, if you will. I mean, he still finished pretty highly uh, in his position group, and that's Baltimore Ravens tight end Mark Andrews. Frank, what are we doing with Mark Andrews? We are diamond hands holding Mark Andrews. Uh, Mark Andrews is a guy that I really loved in college and in that Oklahoma offense, and I thought, Coming in year one, he was a perfect fit for the Ravens scheme. Um, that They were going to run a lot of the same passing concepts for tight ends. And, I mean, it ended up becoming true for us Mark Andrews believers. And to me, he's like, you're just never going to get the right price to give him up realistically. Unless unless the, the stars align... I really don't see myself getting an offer where I feel very comfortable giving up on Mark Andrews. Uh, maybe that was last year and I missed the window. But for me, Mark Andrews is a firm hold. Minimum sell would be somewhere in the late first round, um, which may be a little greedy, but I, I think I'd still have Mark Andrews over a decent amount of the receivers coming out this year. I think that Almost the line is like, I'd much rather have Rondell Moore. And he's right around Bateman. Like, I, I'd have to, I'd probably go back and forth a lot. Because right now, Bateman's my wide receiver. For, I'd go back and forth on whether or not I'd rather have Andrews or Bateman. Maybe because it's we play tight end premium, I'd rather have Andrews. But um, I was going to say, we should specify our league is tight end premium. It's not just only Superflex, yeah. 
And and at the same time, I, I can see a lot of the reasons why you wouldn't want to buy him. He has, like, one of the diabetes uh, that, like, is annoying. So he, that's a big reason why he can't see 90% of the snaps at tight end is that he needs to come out and, and get, like, his, his finger pricked, like, 40-something times a game. Um, which, I mean, it sucks, but it does hinder his value. And... The, uh, the other thing that I think is a little bit concerning for Mark Andrews is just that if you look at the Ravens' offense last year, their number one problem was that they just didn't really have great receivers. So whenever that's the case, it's always tough to be like, hey, why don't you go buy one of the guys that was not performing up to what he needed to last year? Yeah, um... yeah I mean... Ahead, if you listen to the pod, if anyone's listened to the pod, we all know oh, how Oh, sell the Ravens, sell the Ravens. And Jake did it. Yep. He's a man of his word. I did it. I'm a man of my word. I traded away Lamar Jackson <laughs> uh, t- today, actually. Um, got a good deal. Got some Tua, got some Mixon, uh, Preston Williams, and some picks. But, you know, I, a lot of people won't like that, but I think it's buying low on Tua and Mixon here, so I, I don't think, mind it. But back to Mark Andrews, um, I, I just think, like Frank said, to go out and buy a Ravens player, that it, that team is going to be based around the run always, and they're going to run Lamar Jackson, they're going to run J.K. Dobbins, and they're going to run Gus Edwards even a few times a game. They're just going to run the ball, and obviously that leaves him open for play action, which is why he was so successful a few years ago. Um, but I, their receiving play was just so bad. I think they're going to go out and they're going to get a receiving threat in this year's draft. Whether it's, um, I don't know who's going to be available at their, you know, end of the first round, probably a, a Rondell Moore or a Bateman, it's always hype like that. Um, and I just think that's going to force the ball to be even spread, spread a few targets even thinner. So I, I'm just all out on this Ravens passing attack. So what would, that's um, about it. What would you pay for Mark Andrews? Or what would you sell him? Whatever one you want. So I think, like Frank said, Mark Andrews is going to have to be a hold. I don't think anyone's really going to pay a, a price that I'm willing to sell at just because of his potential. If I would get an offer, I would be more than happy to sell him just because, like, all the reasons I just said. Um, but I, I would be looking for probably early second and, uh, what and about- another pick. What about if you were offered, as a Mark Andrews owner, a 2022 first from a contending team? I'm accepting Peace. that. Easy. I'm, I'm rejecting. I'd, I'd rather try and get a first in, in this year's draft. Any, any first. I, I don't think I'd sell him for less than a first in this year's draft. Uh, but when we were talking 2022, there's, there's a time aspect to it where I don't want to have to wait another year for a pick. There's the aspect of, Frank, you mentioned it's a contender, so you know it's going to be a later pick. Uh, I think it's kind of well documented that this upcoming class, as in 2022, is most likely not going to be as strong as 2021 and like definitely not as strong as 2020. So with that, I'm probably rejecting um, that kind of offer. Are, um, what was I going to say? So if, if you got offered in this draft, they'll say 202 or 203. I mean, if you got offered 202 or 203, you're saying no? Me? I'm, I'm saying no. Yeah, I... When we're talking about 
the tight end position and how hard it is to have a, a top tier talent. And and while Mark Andrews might be you know kind of on on the end of that tier, like he's still in that tier of no matter how you cut it, he's probably tight end five six in in that range. They're just so hard to come by. And, and when you're talking like tight end six to tight end eight, tight end ten, that's such a huge jump. Um, that I think the security that you have with him is something that is, is kind of not valued enough, and it's kind of like baked into his price for me. So with that, one ten is probably where I'd sell him around. And for for the viewers, right? We're talking in terms of draft picks because it's it's just easier because it's a known commodity. And they all have, like, you know, like, 109 is obviously valued more than 110. Like, if we start talking in terms of, like, players and whatnot, like, everyone values players very differently. So it gets a little too complicated if we start breaking down everything in terms of players. I know people kind of would love to hear that, and maybe we'll be open to kind of doing more of that in the future. But right now it's just much more simple to do it this way. Anyone, uh, who, anyone who'd rather us do players uh, with the draft picks, just comment on our video saying, what draft pick do you think this player is worth? And we'll give you an answer. Actually, I think that might be a good good place to just end it. <laughs> you know, give us a like, subscribe, comment. Uh, you know, we're going to want to get to your questions. If you have any questions, we're going to do episodes on listener questions. Um, you know, there's a lot of good stuff coming up soon. So with that, I think it's a good time to end the 3rd the and 20 Dynasty episode. Uh, thank you, guys, and see you. Bye, guys. Peace thank guys. you.